it's time to crank up the truth. I'm Val Selby, and over the decades of working online, I've learned a most important lesson. Mindset owns your business. If procrastination, imposter syndrome, and a lack of focus have been blocking your biz, then I'm here with Val Full Volume, ready to help you see choices that you're making. Get ready to own your personality and use your expertise to create the business of your dreams. Now is the time to make changes and live your best life. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone. So it's been a while since I've had a guest on here. And I know that I know you're going to be super excited for this conversation. So listen on in, grab a drink. Let's hang out. I have Shauna Pennington Baird on here. And we are going to talk about who knows what, because there's a lot of stuff on her her form that we can talk about. And she's local to me, which I always think is super exciting to have somebody that's local to me. Shauna, thank you for being here. So Shauna's from brokenwideopen.com. We'll have all the information, of course, for you to go find out more information when you when you do connect with her. But we're going to have an interesting conversation here because we're going out from what the normal female entrepreneurs are doing into this new realm. And I just excited excited for for this conversation. So thank you for being here, Shauna. And thank you. You wouldn't mind telling my listeners a little bit about yourself. That'd be great. I hate when I say that a little bit massive. You tell my listeners whatever you want them to know. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the program. I hail from just outside Seattle, Washington in a a suburb called Burien, ye Mm -hmm. old Burien. I've lived here about 25 years and I am a performer turned audiobook narrator termed voiceover actor, and I also own my own business, couple of businesses. But the big one is Seattle Voice Academy. And that's the female entrepreneurial stuff where about seven years ago, we wanted better quality training for singing and for voiceover, and we wanted it to be really focused on women. And so I started a company where we teach, we taught in person in Georgetown. For the longest time, we had studios had a piano there. We're able to teach people to come in. And then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and we did not close. We just, we called it snow days. And for the people who live in the Seattle-ish area, (laughs) they know that when the word snow comes up, everyone freaks out because it's a four-letter word. Oh God. And and, and for good reason, (laughs) because there's hills here. And so if it snows, people like the the cars slide off the hills without people being in them. That happened this year with ice. (laughs) So that's why no one goes anywhere. So I was like, okay, guys, it's snow days until further notice. And I about nine people on staff. Guess what? We are still in snow days until further notice because we discovered that we were teaching just as well online and more people and people all over the world. And that was really cool. And so we didn't stop. So we're still doing that. We're not in person. We're going to do some in-person retreats like in the mountains of Washington this summer. I think we're going to go out to the coast in the fall. And those are fun, but the bulk of what we do now is is through Zoom. It's online. It's doing a really good job doing that. It's so that's Seattle wonderful Voice how we've yeah. switched. And then my other world is I'm a voice artist. My other company is Shauna Pennington Baird Voice Artist, LLC. And that is doing animation and corporate work and narrating commercials. And I have three agents, and I spend about half my day down here just talking to myself in a padded room, which I think everyone should have the opportunity to do. Oh, it's kind of awesome. So this morning, uh, let's see, today is going to be a little bit about Bitcoins. I don't really know much about Bitcoins, but they pay me in hard cash, so it's fine. 
I need to do a, a something for corporate. There's a corporate a, a, a script that's come in, and then I've got pickups for an animated series I'm on. So every day is a little bit different, and that's literally just me. And then I have a virtual assistant who helps. I have an accountant who helps, and I have a business coach that keeps that all buttoned together. And then the third thing is a, a show I wrote because when I did this, well, not so much the Sale Voice Academy, but the other one, the voice artist, I love traveling to work on my craft. And oftentimes I'll find opportunities all over the world <laughs> to Amen. do this. Yeah. We, need, we need to get out of our padded boxes. And yeah. so seeing ourselves in person, this is back in like 2019. So before the pandemic, there was this cool conference in Scotland, it was Ireland, it was in Dublin. And I was like, oh, dude, I can't go to Dublin by myself. I got to take my family or my husband who is right. of Scottish descent will kill me or divorce me. Yep. And so he and Maddie got to come with me and we went to Iceland and Scotland and Ireland and we spent two weeks. I felt great. And we had so much fun. We hiked with all this stuff. We had colds, no big deal. Right. And they flew home and I had three days by myself in the wilds of Ireland to have like the best time ever. And so I drove across this, they called it a mountain pass. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like a speed bump. <laughs> but anyway, I got to the town and I pulled into my Airbnb and nothing was okay. I started sweating buckets. All the color sucked out of the world. And I was like, oh, Okay, this is not normal. I'm going to get my phone. So I got my phone. Thankfully, I had, I had Wi-Fi. Thank God. How do you dial emergency services? It's 999. So I dialed 999. And about 22 hours later, they saved my life. It was a 14-hour open-heart surgery <sighs> because I had what's known as a triple A dissection. Oh, so my aortic no. aneurysm that I didn't know I had, it ruptured. Aortic aneurysm. And so most people don't make it. The doctor, the surgeon, beautiful woman. She was like six foot tall, blonde, amazing woman, 14-hour surgery. She said she didn't expect me to survive the ambulance ride to the hospital right, or the surgery. Yeah. And when I woke up, though, in Ireland, it's great because they don't tell you what's wrong with you, which is great. <laughs> Here in the States, they'd be like, oh, my God, sign all these forms. You almost died. But, right. <laughs> but in Ireland, they were like, oh, you're grand. Do you want some tea? Oh, that sounds so, beautiful. <laughs> I didn't think there was anything wrong with me other than I knew I had a scar on my chest and they had they had shaved my bikini area. And all yeah. I could think of was, oh, my God, that's going to itch. Like, that was, <laughs> that was my whole mentality for like right. 12 hours was, can we get something for the itching? Yeah. And so I didn't get depressed or scared. I just stayed very calm. <sighs> That's which uh, we could all learn from that in the States. Oh, yeah. my God. So I never knew. until And then four hours in the ICU, or four days in the ICU, staring at cows when they would turn me around. <laughs> Watching hurling. If you're not, if you know what hurling is, not curling. That's no. the ice and the rocks. No, hurling, it's not throwing up. It's a really important sport in Ireland where they try to beat each other with sticks and there's a ball <laughs> somewhere. But it was really fun to watch in the ICU next to the other guy who didn't die either. <laughs> And so anyway, four days later, my husband shows up. He had to fly back. My daughter stayed at home. She was eight at the time. Oh. And I was in Ireland for four more weeks. Wow. Because they don't let you fly. I missed the voiceover yeah. conference. I didn't get yeah. to go. Yeah. Uh, and the good news is I just kept getting better. And so it took them maybe, I think it was two weeks before they told me what happened. Wow. And by the time we flew home, you know, I was cold sometimes. I had, you know, it's hard to walk around a lot. I was getting some exercise, not a ton. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really freaked out until I got home. I had um, two infections in my chest. It was hurting. Yeah. So I yeah. ended up at Virginia Mason Hospital in Seattle. Yeah. And th then they're like, what the hell happened to you? Right. 
<laughs> and then they, you know, then, and I, I finally got to her. I was like, hey, Ben, can you hear their story and then tell me and translate later so I don't panic? Yeah. And that was the first time I was in a room all by myself, too, because in Ireland, you're with four other people. And the whole Ireland thing felt like a slumber party, right. which is why I wrote a show called Broken Wide Open. And it's actually funny. And it's it's not a bad time because <laughs> I, I stopped the show by the time I get back to Virginia Mason when all the Americans are like, oh, my God. So <laughs> too, much, too much reality. Yeah, that's not all, funny anymore. <laughs> all that happened right before the pandemic. So by the time we slid into the pandemic, I was like, everyone's freaking out. I'm like, yeah, I've already been freaked out. Welcome to my right, world. Right. <laughs> I already got this. I already died and came back. It's, it's okay. Yeah. So I actually was was pretty calm during all of the pandemic. Uh, and I did finally get COVID from Switzerland last September. And I was fine. Knock wood, wood, all that stuff. And and I had done all the vaccine, all of that yeah. triple maxing, all, all the masking. But the good news is that so much had become better that my yeah. risk level was lower, right? Nice. Anyway, that's where I am today. That's all these years later. I'm, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. No, so the, so the, the really, gosh, I've got to find other words. It's, it's not ironic. It's, of course, the conversation we're supposed to have right now. But the, the thing is, we're celebrating, at recording right now, in three days is my dad's first rebirth party birthday wow. is what I call it. A year Congrats. ago, we had exactly the same thing. Didn't know what happened. And they're like, how are you even alive? You yes. yes. And, and so we did it in the American way. And it yeah. was a week of me in hell because I yeah. couldn't see my dad. And so, I, yeah, I find it ironic that, of course, I like looked at that. And I went, oh, my gosh, I never even put the correlation. Of course, we're having this conversation today. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, of course we are. Because I did look at it as a, a rebirth with him. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I realize that everything changed when you decided to have the really, because he did get a choice. You know, you didn't get a choice. I, so. No, no. They were like, and unzip, <laughs> they, unz like, they unzipped yeah. me, unplugged my heart, you know, right. zapped it with lightning and put it back in and re-zipped me. <laughs> right. <laughs> he made the choice to go through the pain. So I'm okay. always just like, thank you, dad, for doing that. You know, I know, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but I just find it really ironic in the conversation also that I know lately in my head has been working through the chronic issues because now it's, now it's a chronic issue. Yes. Like you said, it's not a disability. It can and, be, it can be. A lot I, of folks with dissections end up with lots of issues. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But don't we all have to deal with issues and make choices yeah. on what are we going to do? Yeah. Every day. Do I we think, want to wallow in it or do Yeah, you know? when something that major happens, though, something, at least for me, for mm -hmm. sure for me, also for my friend who was a comedian in Seattle who got hit by a car. He's fine. <laughs> but yeah, he had the same thing where it's like, oh, my God, I almost died. Those of us who've come close, we go, oh, you know what? Our priorities just rearranged. That hangnail, yeah. it really doesn't matter. Oh, that thing we have to do on Sunday, I'll just tell him I can't go. There's a huge reorientation of what is important and what is not important. And it, it, the minute you wake up, it's like, boom. These are the things that are important. Yeah. And it does, it changes everything. You know, it happened to my dad, but of course, very connected to that. But I know it totally changed everything in the way I looked at my business, even. Like oh, things yeah. that were on my list, all of a sudden I'm looking at it going, that does not matter to me anymore. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, this is the direction I want to go. And it's not the like mean girl or anything, like nobody's getting in my way. It's just that there's like, no, that just doesn't matter. Sometimes you know? there's a priority shift. Yeah. So the little things that used to get us down, 
suddenly you go, you know what, I want to do this now. It's, it's sort of like there's a great book called The Five-Second Rule. Um, I can't think of who wrote it. But anyway, it's, it's, it's almost kind of like that because you think, you know what, I'm alive today. I'm really glad to be alive today. I mean, that's my thought when I wake up for the last three and a half years. Yeah. Hey, cool, I'm alive today. So right. when that's your baseline, you go, oh, hot coffee's the best. And you just, like, that could be your whole day. And you're like, yeah. I'm okay because I have soft sheets. Yep. Okay. You know, and so the things that used to bug me, oh, my God, I've got to lose 30 pounds. Well, that gets reshifted into I'm going to get on the bike today and work out. Oh, yeah. wow, I can still cycle. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, I feel good. I don't have to feel skinny. So I had some big priorities shift. And then I'm on a lot of medicine. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because I sometimes go into the places on the social medias and I participate and or read some of the mental stuff that happens with the folks who haven't been maybe scared as bad. (laughs) Right. Um, Where they're like, oh, my God, I have so much pain here, so much pain there. And I'm on the same drugs. And for whatever reason... You know, I get some things for sure that they get, but I tend to get less. And it could be because I'm just not focused on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to let that happen to myself. Mm-hmm. So I think the power of suggestion, the power of mind, the power of, uh, of suggestion really matters. Because I remember after I got back, I was in the hospital for double vision. Double vision's not really a good time. I was like, oh, no, I'm dying. And it was just, <laughs> it's just double vision. And so I got into the hospital, and they gave me a CAT scan of my head this time, not just my chest, which had been irradiated many times. And, um, <laughs> and they were like, oh. So they come into the ER, and they, they put, take me upstairs to the neurological ward, and they start talking like this. And I was like, why are you guys talking like that? And I talk, as you can see, it may be very fast, and <laughs> I have a lot of energy naturally. And they were like, you've had two strokes on your right side. And I was like, What? How come I can snap with both hands? I can right. juggle. Give, give, me, give me three balls. I'm going to juggle for you. They're like, we don't know why you can move your left side. And I said, that's not helpful. You just freaked me out. Right. Now, now my left side won't work. Thanks. Thankfully, <laughs> the, the left side kept working, but the power of suggestion, right? So it was yeah. fine. So they released me from the hospital. It was Thanksgiving of 20, 2019 still, 2019 still. And I remember I got home and suddenly the lights, I read some stuff on the internet, which I recommend uh, no, one, no one do. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh God, the lights are too bright. Oh no, I shouldn't drive. Oh no, I should never be alone. Right. Oh no. And for four days, I convinced myself I was a very sick woman. And then on Friday, I took a lift into the hospital because I couldn't drive, right? And we get there and again, they're doing that same very slow thing. <laughs> I found out they are really quite gentle with stroke survivors. Okay. And so they lead me back here. Put your coat here. I'm like, okay. So I, I, she walks in the room. She's like, um, she had me do all the tests. She goes, these strokes are old. We don't know when you had them. I'm like, oh. wait, what? Wait, what? I suddenly feel, by the way, feel fine. And I'm like, what? So like, did they happen during the surgery? She's like, I don't know. They could have happened like two years ago. What? Wow. Wait, what? Wait, what? What? And that to me is like the galvanizing moment, I think, for the rest of my life, which was like... <laughs> Hmm. The power of suggestion is really yeah. a big deal. And if I tell myself I can't do it, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And if I tell myself I can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And on the days when bad things do happen, I take it in stride and I go, okay. Looks like I do still get double vision. I, by the way, lots of us do who've been on bypass machines. Mm. The doctors are like, oh, no, it's not connected. Well, that's when <laughs> social media is helpful. Oh, yeah. Well, about a hundred of us have had it. So I'm thinking... <laughs> Thinking it is connected. (laughs) And it always goes away after about a minute and a half. It's all good. So strange. Yes. 
Yeah. So, I, so yeah, chronic stuff. Yeah, I got some chronic stuff going on. Thankfully, it doesn't get in the way of, well, I love voiceover. Because the first thing that happened after the dissection is they had me meet with the genetic folks here in Seattle. And they're like, mm-hmm. here are all the things you can no longer do for a living. You mm. cannot be a police officer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not one. So that's okay. Yeah, Except that's for on, on TV, I can yeah. still voice one. And they're like, you can't be a wrestler. Well, okay. That's oh, cool. crap. <laughs> um, I know, right? I'll just think, I apparently shouldn't scuba dive when I was a hardcore diver. So that's a little tough. Okay. Uh-huh. But I've done 1,200 dives. I've yeah. been underwater. We're good. You'll retire and, it. Yeah. And they were like, they basically said, don't let your heart rate get above 145. If you want to go on disability, most people do. And I was like, I'm a voice actor. I mean, yeah, when I do animation work, I've, I've worn the heart rate monitor. Not the heart rate. The I've worn my blood pressure monitor while doing animation. Yeah, it gets up there. It does. Yeah. But it, it doesn't stay too long. And, you know, I still cycle like crazy. I get a lot of exercise, mostly indoors. But I do cycle outside. I'm not supposed to crash. I'm on a lot of blood thinners. That's yeah. not really good for you. And I'm on all the medicines your grandparents are on. Right. But... I feel good, and I'm living a very normal life, and I still do solo travel. That took some courage. Yeah. I had a pretty good meltdown one night in Switzerland, <laughs> and then I was fine. I had that moment of, oh, my oh my God, oh, my God, I'm by myself. Oh my God, was I'm that myself. the first one? Yeah, that was probably, I mean, I have occasional panic attacks that go away pretty fast. That was the first meltdown alone. My daughter went back to Ireland with me two mm. years later. And having her there, oh, it was so good. Yeah, that was actually the first one. She, We were in Dingle, in the town where it happened, staying not there, another place, yeah. to meet with the other people who'd helped me. And it was a morning. We were supposed to go uh, see raptors and owls and everything that afternoon. And we kind of, I kind of, she was still in bed. I climbed back in with her and I shook for two hours. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, hey, we need to go play with owls. And she's like, yeah. And so we were fine. Right. Got back in the car and drove on the left. I always yeah. have to say that. Stay left, <laughs> but not too far left. I know. I could imagine. <laughs> left. <laughs> so so we played with owls, and I was okay. And so when we went back to, when I went back to Switzerland last fall, that was a solo, solo trip. And I had a couple of days in Iceland by myself and a couple of days in Switzerland by myself, and then a group again. And then this coming week and a half, two weeks from now, I'll be in Mexico by myself for two days and then back at a conference. Again, mm-hmm. I like being with the group. Oh, he seems like a good idea, but yeah. I have the confidence to know what to do and what to take and all that stuff. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, I'm woo, so you don't want to tempt the universe, but it's just like, seriously, I survived that. So mm-hmm. I do feel like I have the confidence to get through more is what I assume. Yeah. I just want to keep, you know, I'm alive. So yeah. I would like to keep living. There are folks, and I, there was one of the genetics folks, they're like, oh, no, you really should just sit on the couch the rest of your life. Oh, my gosh. I was 45 when this happened. Yeah. I'm 49 now. Yeah. So, well, I said, okay, I won't scuba dive. And I, they, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't tell them about the roller coasters I was on last summer. But <laughs> the, way, the way I do a roller coaster, if I choose to make that risk, I'm so calm during that roller coaster. Because I just don't let my blood pressure get high. Yeah. I, I looked over at my daughter, and I was like, this is what beta blockers are for, honey. I'm on the good drugs. Let's do this roller coaster. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so my sense of humor, I think, which I think I had before all this stuff happened. And of course, I woke up, you know, with the sense of humor intact. Yeah. That's my safety line. Yeah. I 
do agree. I mean, my husband's a firefighter, so we wow. we had inappropriate humor before that because we're high school sweethearts. My dad's a Marine. I grew up with inappropriate humor. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so I mean, it was it was immediately the you know harassing and the sarcasm, you know, right back into it. And I know for us, that's that is our coping mechanism yes. In, yes. in a positive way mm-hmm. because There's we're moments- all that way. I've sometimes had moments where I'm like, wow, am I really suppressing this with too much humor? Because I, I, I know. And then I go, I don't care. I'm having a good time. Right. Um, <laughs> it makes it okay for me. And if I, I can make all the doctors and nurses laugh too, yeah. as long as, it, you know, not during surgery, but like th- there was a surgery where I was mostly awake and she was like, just be quiet for a minute. Okay. <laughs> Right, because you're like, okay, I can't make everybody laugh. That would be really bad. Let's not jiggle. Let's not jiggle right now. (laughs) Really bad for me to make everybody laugh. But I've really got to say this. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get it, and I totally get the whole the whole conversation in your head of like, oh, should I analyze this more? Am Mm -hmm. I not? Should should I be sad? I don't know. It's like I don't want to be sad. So no, I don't want to be sad. It's okay. And the therapy, I mean, it's it's been now three and a half years since all that stuff happened. And the first thing I did when I got home is write down the story. Well, and what and what happened to create break what broken wide open was I was I picked up my daughter. She goes to school on Vashon Island. I have a, a sixth grader that I put on a boat every day. Oh my how, gosh. How, how weird is this? I put her on a boat with a bunch of other kids and yeah. they all go to school on an island. That's really weird. And then I pick her up when the boat comes back. And I remember I we were going to go to the mainland of the Olympic Peninsula just for like a two-night two, two overnight. It was the first time traveling since it had happened. And so I still had a pretty huge scar. still had sternal precautions. And we went into the Vashon. Well, I went to pick her up, and I walked into the Vashon bookstore. And there was a book right there on the table, had a heart on it with all this electricity all around it. And I don't think I have it down here to read. It's by Brian Doyle. And it was a book all about hearts. And it was the most beautiful poetry I'd ever read. I was like, I need to read that. That's yeah. sitting there for a reason. So I bought the book. And over the next two days, sobbed through it. Right. Because it's about his son. He had twins. And one of the boys was born with his heart upside down. Mm. And the passages in this book were so poetic and so beautiful and so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I need to write my, I need to write this stuff down. Not not his stuff. It was it was like yeah. this. It just lit something on fire in me. I'm like, I gotta write. I gotta write down what happened. Yeah. Especially the jokes, because I had been workshopping all the funny stuff in every ER uh-huh. that I went to afterward. People would go, what happened to you? And I just start working this material, <laughs> and they would laugh. And I was like, well, that's a good joke. I need to keep that one. Right. <laughs> that's another good joke. I should keep that one. So I remember I came home and I had my laptop and I was like, write show. <laughs> So I ended up contacting uh, his publisher and got permission to use two quotes from the book in the show, which was beautiful. Oh my, and it's a hard, it's a hard monologue to memorize because it's so poetic and so beautiful and so profound. And then the music for the show, I was listening on, it was on the plane on the way home from Ireland. I have a good friend who's a musician in Belfast and I'd presented her when I used to run a performing arts center. Her name is Kathy Ryan. And I was like, oh, my God, Kathy's music. And some of her music came on. And one was called Carica Reed. And Carica Reed is a rope bridge that I had just crossed the day before my heart exploded. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, and I'm listening to this song going, oh, my God, this song, this song, this song, this song. I bet there's more. There was another one called It's the Farthest Wave. That's all about trying to get home. It's all about hearts. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So I contact, well, first I called, I didn't know how to get old with Kathy. So I reached out to other friends through, fa- thank God for social media, through Facebook. And I found the guy who used to produce her, who got me her phone, her email address. And I emailed her and said, Kathy, this is what happened to me. Can I use five of your songs? She's like, yes. <laughs> and that's how it all sort of started happening. And yeah. so the whole thing was written by January when the pandemic happened. So right. I, it was January. The show was written. I sent it to a good friend, Yusuf El Gundy, who's a playwright of great renown. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to send him my show. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very good friend. And I was like, Yusuf, I know you get this a lot, but I, I need you to read this <laughs> and tell me, tell me where it's at. How many more rewrites? And he emailed back, workshop it, do it now, live. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> with that wind under my wings. Right. Because sometimes you need that moment of, of just someone saying it's okay. And he yeah. did it at just the right moment. And so I called the musicians who I knew would be brilliant on this. Uh, one plays accordion, Robertson Widmer. He's amazing. Dave Pascal on bass. I mean, these are, these are musicians I've known for 30 years. And I was like, hey, guys, um, let's do a show. <laughs> and it was supposed to be live. It's supposed to be in the Seattle area. Maybe, you know, all oh, this dream of taking it to Edinburgh Fringe Fest in Ireland. And I'm like, we just got to get it up and running. And so I sent everything to them and the pandemic came. Down. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Let's do it. Let's do it through Audible. I'm an audiobook narrator. Right. Like, no, we could just do this online for now and still do it live later. And they were like, yeah, we're in. So it was so fun during the pandemic to have a project where we were all mostly rehearsing working solo. Occasionally we'd come together at Dave's studio, record some songs with musicians and just me, but we were all never in the same place for right. the show. And I recorded the whole thing here in my studio I'm in right now. David Koch directed it from his house. And then we we premiered it almost exactly a year ago. It was like March 15th, 20, 2002, or 2022. And then it came out officially on Blackstone Audio, picked it up in June. And then this year, in like December, I was like, okay, everybody, let's do it live. Uh-huh. And let's go to Ireland. Let's take it back where it's supposed oh to be. It'll gosh. be for the, the four-year anniversary. We'll be there on those dates. Oh. So I'm going to, you know... <laughs> probably shake for two hours one morning, but um, wow. you know we're gonna yeah. So it's so six people going, and we're gonna end up going to the Fringe first. And the Fringe Fest, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, is thousands of shows all happening at the same time. It's insane. You walk down the street and you're like, how can this much theater be in one place? Oh, so we're not expecting big turnouts. We're expecting kind of meaningful turnouts, and then mm-hmm. going to Ireland, that's a little different because we know lots of people who were involved. Yeah. So that's just fun because we can bring all the people who were there to see the show live and, and again the, get to do it live. Yeah. I mean, the amazing thing is, is that, I mean, all along the way and hey, everybody listening, we get signs. We're all getting the signs of exactly what we're supposed to be doing. It's just who's paying attention. But <laughs> all along the way, you were getting the signs that, yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. yep. And you took it and you you jumped like you just jumped with it. And it was so healthy. That was my therapy. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't spend hours with a therapist, which I still could. Don't I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Right. But the therapy was getting that story out on paper. Mm-hmm. Just dumping it all out. And then because my husband, I didn't let him read it because he did not have fun. Neither did my Yeah. Dad. Very they different had a horrible experience. Time. You would know this. Yeah, Val, you'd understand because yeah. they're terrified for me. They get a phone call. They're in yeah. the they're they're in the aisle at Target buying new shoes for school. Triggered. Uh-huh. And they get a call saying we don't think she's going to live. Yeah. Oh, geez. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't until all the music was done and I had been listened to one song and he was like, whoa, 
let me hear another one. And my husband's <laughs> a very good theater critic. And I was like, he's, he, he works at Fifth Avenue Theater in downtown Seattle. He's mostly a stagehand and he's a designer and he's directed a lot of shows. Uh-huh. He's directed me like 35 years ago, a <laughs> um, long time ago. And he, he listened to like the fourth song and I said, okay, the director thinks you're going to set design this. I have not asked you. You do not have to set design this. You want to hear the whole show? Yeah. And he looked at me. He goes, yep. And I left the house. I went, here you go. And I left. Right. Because I just couldn't even, I mean, it's done. At that point, it's, it's, the egg shell was hard. <laughs> and yeah. we're going we're gonna to do it. And when I came home, he had the set design finished. <gasps> he had all the, all the little, he had, he had a model for me. And I was like, okay. And then I said, <laughs> I'm going to make a guess. You don't want to run the show. He was like, nope. <laughs> I have, he has no desire to hear it over and over again. And he said, oh, yeah. like about a month later, I was talking to him and he goes, you know, I listened to your whole show dry eyed. He's like, I listened to the whole thing. And I thought, wow, this is, this is really good. And then he, he watched come from away, which he hadn't seen. We've all seen come from away. If you don't know the show, it's a Broadway show about the 38 planes that landed on Gander on nine 11. So it's mm. a beautiful, happy, but sad show. Not the same, same, not the same. He said he sobbed. Right through Come From Away. It was like his sixth time seeing it. But that's when he felt all the stuff from the show that I had put together. Yeah. And, I was like, oh. mm. and my daughter, we were back in Ireland. And I said to her, I said, hey, David's asked me to write a passage in your words. You want to help me? She's like, well, can I be in the show? I was like, um, currently, let's think about that a lot. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I go, but if, if I were to do that, I need to, are you comfortable helping me? And do you want to pick the song? That would happen right after you talk about what happened, or me, or whoever's doing it. And so we listened, and we found this song, and it's so beautiful. It's a lullaby. And she and I, it's by Kathy Ryan. And she and I listened to it, you know, in Dingle, Ireland. And the two of us were just kind of sobbing. And Maddie yeah. goes, that one. <laughs> right. And I went, yep. She goes, I never want to hear that song again. Mm-hmm. But she said, that's the song. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, because I played it for them. And we do it with just, just guitar and vocals. And I mean, part of me is like, I can do it live because I'm going to rehearse a lot to the point where yeah. I let the audience feel it. I feel it, but not to the point where I'm like, get really sing, hang on. <laughs> so, but Maddie did help me write the passage in her words. Mm. Hmm. And, and I you're going to be able to, to do that live? Yep, I am. That's, <laughs> wow. that's the power of rehearsal. You do wow. it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And then you can pull. That's thankfully, thankfully, I, I you know, Theater artist for many years. Madeline Lengel, the author, she said it best. I'm totally going to, I'm going to say it wrong. I'm going to paraphrase her really badly. She said something like, you have to totally feel it while you're writing it. You can sit there at the typewriter and just sob your eyes out. But then you go back and rewrite that passage mm-hmm. so that your audience can feel it. Right. And as an audiobook narrator, that's totally true. There's times where I get to like the fourth book and they kill my favorite person. And I'm like, I can totally do this. <laughs> Chapter 14, there was blood. Nope, can't do it. Nope, can't do it. And I'll sit here and sob. I have to go out. And my dogs are like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, hang on, I'll be fine. I'm going to be okay. And then, of course, your throat gets all thick and get the right. mucus. And you're like, and you come back and you're like, I've got this. Chapter 14. Nope, don't got this. <laughs> I think I took like a run of five one time. <laughs> yes, she did. She killed my favorite character. And I did finally get through it. 
in a way that again you have just enough distance that you feel it but you're not vocally all choked up and for you know singing. and nasally <laughs> yeah so you know if you're going to do it five shows a week for two weeks or however long the run is yeah right you got to have that professional you got to nail it and not nail it all at the same time that's a really good tip too for the the rewriting it because yeah. i know that i write even emails or stuff and i will have too much me in it yeah and it needs to connect with the other people and and i know all of us all of us heart-centered people <laughs> oh no pun intended um, <laughs> no worries mine is jewelry now i have i have i have bling in my heart i'm a mechanical right. heart valve it, it's irish no less i was like right. i came home with the coolest irish souvenir it's with you forever <laughs> but making sure that it is going to hit them yeah which is what you had to do with your story i can't imagine did you have to do too much rewriting do you think not too much. I shouldn't say too much because it, it came out perfect. But there was a lot. And to it turn changed. it from a journal, because I mean, when you're talking about it, therapy, it's it feels very journaly in my head. And a then- lot of stuff got pulled out. Things that were just unnecessary. I think it was it, this particular show. It's 55 minutes now with talking and songs, 10 songs. Nice. And so it's pretty short, thankfully. Yeah. And I think we just removed stuff. Like occasionally David having to do a rewrite. Uh-huh. And my husband, when he did finally have some clarity, he had two rewrites. Great. Yeah. He's very, really good at that stuff. He, they're like, hey, you're saying it this way, but... You, you, and a lot of it was removing some of me. It, what you just said, it was removing some of me out mm-hmm. because it didn't need to be said. It had been said. Yeah. More eloquently, I didn't need to keep going. Yeah. So occasionally there was just... I mostly was just clearing away, clearing away to get to the essence of what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So to drilling down on that. And so there are changes from the audiobook to the stage play. Yeah. The point where I can't use the audiobook to learn lines. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like I, I, and so funny, you'd think it'd be easy to learn my own stuff. I wrote it, right? Oh, my goodness. So then I always go, but I had two strokes. No, I'm fine. I'm gonna... <laughs> uh, so, and I'm older, too, now. So the, the trick right now, and I, I'm already off book halfway through the show. Show's in seven months. We did a full rehearsal process. The show is staged. It all got staged in March of this year. Nice. Of last, I guess that'd be last year now. Last March, we staged it. So it's got blocking. It's got, oh, you know, the scenery. We have the props. We have everything. And now I just literally have to get off book. And Mm -hmm. so I'm halfway there now. But I tell you, there will probably be a script somewhere on stage and a lot of sense of humor. In in case I'm like, and, excuse me really quick. Right. (laughs) But I'll find a way to make it really funny. Yeah, because I mean, especially you lived it, so yeah. it's I just can, like I, mean, I can g- little yeah. flashbacks uh-huh. pop in. I'm sure of so maybe of improv will take over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As everybody on stage goes, shit, really. Well, thankfully, it's just back. me, me, and the <laughs> musicians. And as long as I don't go too far away on the songs, we should be just fine. Yeah, yeah. You won't but, ruin their lives. <laughs> nah, nah. And I've known these musicians, man. I, Robertson Woodburn, Rob and I, we've only really worked together on this project, but I've known of him and of his wife and i've known him my husband worked the seattle children's theater with him for probably 15 years rob uh, uh, dave uh, who plays bass he was on one of my first gigs when i was 21 in town oh that's amazing so it's just so cool to be i mean i've known these guys forever and it's so lovely that they're part of it and sound design and and such a personal story i mean it does there's nothing that could get more personal than dying (laughs) And if they they hadn't heard this this the show, 
In oh, yeah. Of, How did they well, do Rob with that? Had, Rob had, because he did sound design, right? So R- Rob, of mm-hmm. course. And so he did the full sound design for it, because all the hospital beeping and things like that, really cool sounds. And then Dave Pascal listened after we did, we did a CD launch, like a, you know, <laughs> like people use CDs anymore. We have CDs. But we had a CD launch last summer in June, and he listened on the way home. And he, he sent me an email going, whoa. Yeah. When are we going to Europe? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I think we need to go. Right? And we're going we're gonna to do it here in Seattle, too. I need to find the right venue and the right timing. Because the other thing is I don't want to exhaust myself. As you'd brought up, you know, I have a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And I have to manage that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm not supposed to do is get my blood pressure over. Well, my heart rate when cycling should stay around 145. I can occasionally take it to 160 if I'm going to do like a test. And I used a cycling coach for a while and my cardiologist so I, w- I was too terrified without them saying, it's okay, you can do it. Theater can be similar. When you're standing on stage and you get that adrenaline rush, Yeah, your blood pressure is going up. Right. So, so one of the things I'm going to do is take my metropolol before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how silly. Some people, you know, some people, you know, do the, do, do the heavy bad for you drugs to get on stage. No, 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 I don't need those. But I'm going <laughs> to need my BP meds apparently. <laughs> and, and breathe. Yeah, breathing and meditation. And I was so just that thinking I'm of that because okay. you heard me before I had just gotten off a call. Right. That's not even on stage, but I was all jacked up. I wish I would have looked to see what my heart rate was, but it, yeah, I can't even imagine how do you keep your heart rate as somebody who's excitable. <laughs> I am. I am a Muppet. I'm, all I'm of my branding excitable. is a Muppet because, yes, <laughs> I know. And I think some of that's going to be the balance of great performance and maybe... To be perfectly honest, I probably have directors from 30 years ago be like, oh, she's finally calm enough to know. I know, right? You can Why imagine I, she I got, do this before? <laughs> can you slow down a little bit? Maybe go a little slower. Let's yeah. have, can you slow all of that? In fact, yeah. just don't speak. No, no, I didn't get that note. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was told to slow down maybe a few thousand times as a young actor. Yeah. And same with audiobook work. Well, doing voice work will automatically slow everybody down. Right. It just does. We get, we're working in our voice all day. We can hear when it's too slow. We can hear when it's too fast and we can, we can adjust it. So the new good news is all that voiceover work helps mm-hmm. on stage, mm-hmm. helps with timing. And I did get a note from David at one point. Hey, can you pick that up? And I was like, are you kidding? Right. Yes. <laughs> and of course, recently I got that note from someone else and I did it for him. He goes, whoa, you, <laughs> you took that note and maybe half that. <laughs> okay. I had I had somebody email me one day after they uh, took one of my workshops and they're just like, so just in case anybody else needs to know this, do not watch your videos on 1.5 speed. I'm oh, like, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, lady, why would you ever consider that? I'm like, I'm a blah, 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 blah. I'm like, there's no way you would understand it. I used to slow all my voiceover gigs. The first year I did voiceover, I slowed both books down by 0.5. Yeah in the editing software and oh it was really really helpful <laughs> so yeah. i don't do that anymore but i cheated then well because then it, it also helped you learn okay uh-huh. this is how i need to speak exactly exactly this is the correct speed. <laughs> <laughs> not the one god gave me <laughs> hey everyone thanks for being here as you can see we did not finish that interview during that time There was so much great information going on that we are going to split this up and you will hear the rest of the interview with Shauna next week. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Val Full Volume. If you are done spinning in circles and procrastinating, check out my quick workshop, 14 Biz Actions. Action creates change. Now go out there and create the biz of your dreams.